Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats Out We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye of the goings-on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Martin Riley and I'm joined today by Dan Holsworth. Dan, how are you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Since the last time we spoke, a long time ago, I'm doing pretty well, mate. Yeah, just in case people that are aware, we recorded this immediately following the review of the Preston and Ipswich games. So, yeah, it's not been long. But yes, we are here today to preview West Bromwich Albion, um, who will be managed by Carlos Corporan. Uh, so, yeah, we Dan had a chat with Pete from Albion Analytics, which who also is on a podcast called Albion Analysis. So we will let you listen to that right now. Hello, and today I'm joined by Pete from Albion Analytics. Hi, Pete. How are you doing today? Yeah, very good. Thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Looking forward to Christmas and looking forward to our game on uh, Friday. I lose track of the days at the this time yeah, of year. Absolutely. I think, I think everyone does, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So, just uh, for our listeners, I remember I spoke to you back in August when Leeds played Albion. It was a one-all draw, I think, uh, back in the August. So, since then, um, I've heard a couple of bits and pieces about Albion with the ownership at the club. Um, I heard an interview with a guy on the Not The Top 20 podcast from Action for Albion, sort of talking about the perilous situation, clubs in with the ownership, but there was some hope there was a takeover in the offing. Is, is that a fair characterization of the situation? Yeah, I think we've um, we've basically had an owner that's not invested anything and yep. had a wage bill that's too big for what we can afford without any investment from the owner. So um, had to take loans out to, to fund it and they're backed against the the stadium and training ground and all sorts so yeah we're in a bad situation but the talk at the minute is that we're very close to completing the takeover so fingers crossed we can get that sorted because i mean if we don't then it's kind of you know the whole future's balanced between getting promotion to the premier league and, and getting a bit more cash in in the bank or or not getting promotion and then i'm not sure exactly what would happen but it, it, it looked very bad on the uh the financial side of things and then you know you've got administration and everything like that that comes with it yeah it's not a good situation the guy uh an interview i talked to with he seemed to think there was a few months worth of cash to keep the club solvent that's without player sales so yeah it's, it's 
like I say, takeovers needed, isn't it, to, to, to avoid all that trouble? Yeah, I mean, we took out a loan. Um, I think it was around about January, February last season. That was, I think that was rumoured to be for about £20 million. And, you know, that's with 12% interest on it and everything. And then in the last past few weeks, we've taken out another one. that I don't think the, the sum was ever decl- disclosed for that, but I think it was rumoured to be about £8 million. So, you know, it's just loan after loan just to try and, you know, keep the club running. And I suppose if we don't get a, a, um, a takeover sorted, before the end of the transfer window, then I imagine we'll have to uh, move a few players on to get get a few players off the wage bill and try and get a few bit of cash in into the accounts as well. Okay, since we last spoke, would you agree that it's been a steadily kind of improving season for Albion? A couple of mixed results recently, but the general trend is upward. Is, is that a fair characterisation? Yeah, I think. I mean, we've been we've been doing quite well. Um, I think if you asked any Albion fan at the start of the season if they'd take been inside the playoffs around about Christmas time, then yeah, I think ninety nine percent would say absolutely because I th- well, I think everyone's a bit concerned with the squad depth and everything going on behind the scenes with the ownership. Um, so yeah, we've done well and we started off a bit bit slow, I think, but since then we've picked up and we've been been pretty consistent since then. Yeah, okay. I was looking back at some of the underlying numbers for the season, in an attacking sense, you kind of look like a mid-tableish team, upper mid-table. But from a defensive perspective, you look like one of the best teams in the league. Looking at the home-only fixed uh, figures, it looks even better still. So, uh, though it does actually look like you have some really strong attacking numbers for October and November, how would you say, more broadly, Albion are functioning as an attacking unit this season? I think defence is, you know, the stronger the two for us. Um, and you can see it in the numbers. But with attacking, I think we're better in games where they're open. We struggle to create a lot of chances and good chances against teams that sit in and, you know, don't really want to press us in the way that we attack a lot of the time. I mean, if teams try to play out, then we'll press them high at times. Um, but then we're also comfortable. If that press is bypassed, we're comfortable, you know, regrouping and, and getting back into shape and sitting a little bit deeper. So sometimes we create chances through pressing and winning the ball high. But obviously that's only against teams that want to play out from the back. Um, other times we try and draw teams onto us when we've got the ball um, between our keeper and our centre-backs, let them press us and then try and play through them quickly and create chances like that. And again, we struggle if, we struggle to do that for a team that isn't willing to press as high and just wants to sit back into a low block and sit deep. So I think attacking-wise, we've still got still got room for improvement, especially against teams that sit in low blocks and you know don't really want to come on to you. I think we're more comfortable attacking teams that are more comfortable in possession and are more adventurous where they're pressing. And yeah, so I... I I think we're probably better attacking against teams that are higher up the table, looking to try and get a result off us, and worse against teams that, you know, probably just playing for a point or just trying to nick a a late goal. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, look, just looking back at the defensive numbers, I mean, you've given up less than than one, less than one XG fewer more times than you conceded over one XG. If that puts down, if that makes sense. So yeah, generally consistent good numbers there. Under under an XG is generally a good performance, I would say. I mean, what would you put the general defensive stability down to? I think, well, we've got a couple of really good defenders, like Cedric Kipre in centre-back has, has been excellent this season. Probably our best probably our best player, to be honest. Um, he's just really aggressive. And when he, he's not a defender that can be passive. I think he's a really good defender when he's aggressive and he's allowed to go and try and win the ball almost in every situation. Like, he's not going to give... If a striker receives the ball with a back to goal, he's not going to give them a minute's piece to try and bring it down. He's going to go and try and win it, nip, nip in front of them and um, yeah, just be really aggressive. And he's really strong when he plays like that. 
Kyle Bartley is just unbelievable in the air as a kind of box defender. I think there's probably not too many better in, than him in the league. He's a bit limited with the ball at his feet, but as a defender, I think he's very good for this level. And then just the shape as well. Like I said before, we we like to press high, but if that's unsuccessful, then we're quick to get back and regroup. And once we're in shape, we just I think we, we're just really good at stopping teams from getting into our box and getting good chances from there. A lot of the time, we can limit teams to just kind of long-range efforts, low-value efforts that aren't too troubling. Um, so I think it's a mixture of really good coaching from Corbran and a really good setup and also having some some very good defenders as well. Yeah, I remember Corbran, so I just feel we're quite similar. Weren't they? You know, not necessarily blessed with loads of superstars, but they were just yeah, generally very good at defending the box, weren't they? And keeping the opportunities yeah to long range and low you know low low chances and low, low numbers of chances and low XG chances of the opposition. So yeah, I guess Corbran just knows how to set a defence up, doesn't he? Really, in, in that respect. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's also using using the players that we've got to their you know their biggest strengths. Like I said, with with Kipra, he's got full license to go and be aggressive on on strikers and try and win the ball and um, I think he's really benefiting from that. So uh, Lee Stenna played Jorginho Russell at front as a nine but his, to call him a nine is a bit of a stretch really. He tends to have a free roll he's, he's our main creator he'll wander around drop deep. Do you think Kipre would follow him and go and be aggressive against Rutter or would he let him wander and let the midfielders pick him up do you think? I think it probably depends how deep he drops. If he's just dropping it a little bit short off the centre-backs, but still kind of behind the central midfielders, then I think he'll go with him and try and win the ball. Yeah. And, I mean, even if he drops deeper than that, I think he will follow him to an extent, but at some point he's got to pass him on to, I mean, it'll probably be Yukushlu in front of him, who's who's tasked with that job if Rutter does start dropping really deep to get on the ball. So we do we do keep our shape, but Kipro's definitely got licence to, to follow and be aggressive to an extent. Okay, that's the interesting one to watch there, I suppose, that combination, that that, that, that confrontation. I think it's going to be a really interesting battle. And yeah, Ross is obviously one of the best players in the division. And from watching Kipra every week, he's, I struggle to believe that there's many centre-backs better than him at what he does and being so aggressive. So I think it could be could be a really interesting battle to see who comes out on top of, of that. And it, well, to be honest, it could be something that really helps to decide the actual the actual result of, on the night. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, more broadly, let's talk about tactics under Corbran. The, the listeners might remember the game at Ellen Road back in August. You know, pretty strong defensive display from West Brom. Does he set the team up differently at home? You know, is there a general tactical approach change at home or has it changed since the start of the season? At the start of the season, we were quite often using three at the back and then and then it kind of swapped to using four at the back at home um, and three at, the, mm. three at the back away. But in the, the past month or so, it's kind of we just sticking with the back four no matter whether we're at home or away. Right. And I don't I don't think the approach really changes too much based on where, whether we're home or away. I think Corbrand's quite adaptive to who we're playing and tries to get the best out of his opposition and adjust things, but not really any major changes. First half, we probably won't be too adventurous attacking-wise, um, not throw too many men forward and, and look to, to get to half-time without conceding a goal. And then in the second half, we... We open up a little bit, but still, we don't want to lose our defensive stability. So, yeah, it's. I think, yeah, first half, like I said, we'll look to get to half time without without conceding. Then second half, we might open up a little bit more. All right, okay. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you a question about back four or back three, but it sounds like you're going to go over back four. I mean, is there any chance you might go over back three or back five in this game? Do you think? Chance? I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, like I say, last I'd say probably the past month, maybe month and a half, we've yeah. we've just been with a back four, and it's. 
generally been the the same four starting each week. It's only injuries or suspensions that's changed that. So it's usually Furlong at right back, Bartley and Kipre as the two centre backs. Usually Kipre as the left centre back, yep. and then Connor Townsend as the left back. And yeah, we've been pretty. You know, that's been pretty set in stone unless there's injuries or suspensions. Yep, cool. Okay. So um, how do you think West Brom will look to break these down in attack? What is it kind of transitional moments, do you think? Or Yeah, I think transition is going to be important. Like I say, either from winning the ball back high and then breaking quickly. Or even there's an example when we played Ipswich. Hmm. We didn't win the ball back high, but it was just trans- transition from, I think it was from the Ipswich corner. We broke and we were really clinical um, with our passing made. To me, it looked like the perfect counter attack. Everything was perfectly weighted and timed. And we've had we've had a few of them this season. It's something that we've improved on a lot since previous seasons. That we're actually making better better decisions when we're counter attacking and picking the right passes. So I think it'll be that. And like I say, drawing, trying to draw you onto us and then play three, which is I yeah. suppose is transitional as well. Yeah. Um, but generally, when we're building up, just it's more slow, patient play. It's we usually try to. To attack down the wings um, again, a lot of the time it's it's drawing teams into one side of the pitch, moving into the other side, and then pullbacks breaking into that space that's been opened up and yeah. trying to create chances from there um, and kind of work cutbacks or crosses. Okay, um, under Fark, Leeds are a team who've tended to have the ball more than the opposition in most games this season, but generally our best attacks are transitional attacks. Also, we kind of try like win the ball back from a press. Or we like to draw people out with build-up play, sort of deep build-up play, sort of generating these artificial transitions ourselves, really. So it sounds a bit similar to West Brom in that respect. Do you think West Brom will be wary of that and will perhaps not press leads? Or do you think because they're at home, they might try and press leads? I think we'll probably still try to press you at times. Like I say, it's, yeah. we're not always trying to press high. Yeah. A lot of the time, we will sit deep and let you have the ball. For example, in, when we played against Leicester, mm. um, quite often the our two... Because we tend to defend in a four-four-two shape, so our two forwards will just against Leicester. They would just stop the ball from going into the midfielders, not really try to press. Yeah. Unless yeah. there was, I suppose, triggers to press, and then they would go after it. I think if balls were played backwards or, or sloppy, then they'd go and press high, and the team would move up with them. But sometimes the, the pressing can be very patient and almost sit into a low or mid block and and just wait for that moment, and then everyone goes and it gets aggressive. So I think we might be quite happy to, to let you have the ball for periods. But, I mean, yeah, I suppose it's the same against Leicester that you're both very good teams coming down from coming down from the Premier League. And, yeah, I think it, we'll let you have the ball, but we'll do our best to, to not let you get into actual dangerous areas when we when you get the ball. I don't think Gorban minds the opposition having the ball. It's just it's just not letting them have the ball in, in dangerous areas. It's like, I suppose, looking at possession sometimes seems to have a lot more possession than us, but... If you look at like field tilt, so you know possession in dangerous areas, then generally, generally we'll still have the higher field tilt against teams that have more possession than us. It's, it's, it's the idea, isn't it, that teams that have the ball have got more control? That's that's not always true, is it? You know, if Corbyn's happy for the team to have the ball where he wants them to have the ball, then he's controlling things, isn't he? I mean, it could could be argued that. Yeah, exactly that, and yeah, that's why I think we're, we're comfortable and we're in our shape as long as because we know that we're in a. a pretty strong shape everyone knows what they're doing and we can stop the team from actually getting into a dangerous area so it doesn't really matter who's got the ball at that point yeah absolutely no it's, it's an interesting one because Leeds recently have struggled a little bit with low blocks I mean we struggled with Coventry last week away at Sunderland we had a low block and yeah we really struggled with that and we weren't able to generate those transitions if you like that we wanted to and, and we struggled so 
yeah, a smart coach like Corbin will realise that, I think. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he approaches it. Okay, uh, in terms of the team and the squad as a whole, I've just had a look at, just going by the minutes of the squad, it looks like you've got 17 players who have kind of played a good number of minutes and a clearish 11 with lots of minutes. You know, is, do you have like a regular team and that you kind of want to play each week or does he, does he have a rotation policy? Uh, what's the state of the squad and the team at the moment? The state of the squad is that we've got a lot of injuries and not a very, uh, right. not much squad okay. depth. So it's, I think um, the starting 11 might vary a bit more if it, Colbran had the players to choose from but it's kind of just playing the players that we've got available each week and yeah I don't think there'll be too many surprises in in squad selection I, I mean the general midfield pairing is Okaya Kuzlu and Alex Moat but yep. sometimes that does get changed that's kind of one of the only things that that could be changed but to be honest I can't see it happening sometimes Jason Malumbi gets brought in or yep. Nathaniel Nathaniel Chalaber comes in with the with the squad that we've got available at the minute, there, there tends to not be too many surprises. Yeah, I mean, just just for the listeners, we are recording this before Christmas, so this is before the Ipswich game for the Leeds fans that are listening. So we're a few days in advance, but assuming there are no new injuries, what would you expect the eleven to be? Um, so game? we'll have we'll have Alex Palmer in goal. Um, yeah, and then I imagine the back four will be the same as usual. So Darnell Furlong back, and then Carl Bartley, Cedric Kipray, and Connor Townsend in left back, and then just in front of those two, there'll be. I imagine it'll be Yokuzlu and Moat. And then I suppose mm. the, the three in front of them is the slightly more tricky ones. I think Jed Wallace will have to play. And then John Swift at the minute is kind of in and out of injury. Um, so right. assuming he's not fit, it's probably going to be Diane Garner and Sarmiento to make up those three in front of him. And then the only fit strike we've got at the minute is Brandon Thompson-Sante. So I think he'll be our, our number nine. Right. Okay. So who? Which? I mean, you've already mentioned Kipre has been a big part of your season. One of your, you know, perhaps your best player. Who else in the team should the Leeds fans look out for? There's important players for West Brom. I think Alex Moat has been um, really good since he's come in in central midfield. Yep. It took him about eight games or so to actually make an appearance, but since he had his first game, he, he's not really been out of the starting eleven. Um, he's been fantastic on the ball and winning the ball back, just kind of doing everything you'd want your central midfielder to do. Also, I suppose. That the front three are quite exciting. Jed Wallace is just what like Jed Wallace has always been. He's very hard working. Um, he's got a brilliant delivery from his crosses. Yeah, he's just a really, really good player to have in your squad. He's not he's not exciting like Jeremy Sarmiento or Grady Diangana are um, in the sense mm-hmm. that they're just quite often the ability with the ball dribbling past players is it's just really exciting to watch. And especially Sarmiento, he's on loan from Brighton, and he's just. You can see that he's still quite raw, but he's just like very. He just wants to dribble the ball and go past players, and um, he rides challenges really well. And if he's on his day, he can be really, really dangerous. I think so far he's just not really had the consistency of actually delivering anything with, you know, I'll go, I'll go past players like they're not there, but then in the final action, like scoring goals, getting assists, he's not really done it consistently enough. But he's a terrific player to watch and. I mean, if he can add some goals and assists to his games, then he's going to be unbelievable. So I think he's one that I'm kind of waiting to really, you know, burst onto the scene. He's playing playing most games now because of injuries, but he's not really got going yet. Is, is he on loan, did you say, from, from Brighton? Yeah, on, on, on loan from Brighton this season. So it's perhaps his first loan to just get into grips with adult man's football, maybe? Yeah, I think he played, played a few games for Brighton um, last right. season, but... Right. Then I think he suffered an injury, and then they had a few other youngsters that came in and secured their places. So 
yeah, I think they've kind of loaned him out this season just to give him guaranteed minutes and to recover from his injuries as well. So, yeah, there's definitely a sense of him being a young player that's not had too much experience yeah. and is still still learning a lot. And I mean, I think Corbrand's probably a brilliant coach to to learn off. Absolutely. Okay, so last time we spoke, Leeds were going through a bit of a transition. We're doing like, like a lot of transfer activity, players leaving and players coming and going, but sort of things settled down after that, and it's generally been pretty good this season. Uh, the last few weeks has been a bit mixed result-wise. Do you think it's a good time to play Leeds at the moment? I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I'm not sure it's ever a good time to play Leeds. I think they're going to be one of the teams that are, well, around the, the automatics, I think, um, at the end of the season. I think if I had to gamble now, I'd probably put it as Leicester and Leeds go up automatically. So, yeah, like I say, I'm not sure it's ever a great time to play Leeds, but maybe the, the busy Christmas period can, can play into our hands, probably not with our squad depth. So, yeah, it's, there's games that I look forward to more than, than playing against Leeds, I think. <laughs> OK, fair enough. And where do you expect this game to be won or lost? Um, probably just who can who can make the most of transitions. Like you say, Leeds like to, to create those artificial ones and, and so do we. So I think it, based on that, it could be a very patient game um, mm. of teams kind of just waiting for each other to make a slight mistake um, get the pre- get the press slightly wrong and then play through them. Um, in which case, it's just going to be who can who can do that the best, who can make well, who can make the least mistakes in press, and who can be the most clinical when they, they can create those chances. Yeah, so based on that, I can't imagine it to be a, a real high scorer. But hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, we get some good entertainment at least. Absolutely, yeah, that's what we need over Christmas. Okay, great stuff. Well, thanks for your time, Pete. Uh, do you want to tell listeners where they can find you online? Yep. So. Um, I run the Albion Analytics Twitter Twitter account. That's Analytics WBA. Also run a, a podcast, probably similar to your own, um, with my co-host, and that's Albion Analysis. Um, so yeah, over on Twitter. Fair enough. I'll, well, I'll check it out. I'll listen to your episode after the last game, and I enjoyed it. It was a good podcast. So I'll, I'll def- definitely listen to uh, your post leads podcast. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Pete. I'll speak soon. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So that, that was good, Dan. I enjoyed that chat. It seemed like a good chat. Yeah, Pete was really good when we spoke to him. I mean, I think he was the first opposition interview we did when we restarted this feature early in the season when we played the best prom in August and he was great then uh, it was great again here just a really smart guy really good like knows his football obviously knows ball so and it makes for a good interview when he speaks to smart people he carried my ass anyway 
<laughs> no, you were good. You were good, Danny. It was a good, <laughs> in, good interview and lots of good detail in there from, from what we should expect from Barbara Ann, who obviously is someone who Leeds fans will be familiar with from his time with us. Um, yeah. But this is a game which I'm quite worried about. I'm not sure about you, Dan. It's it, it's funny. I kind of I'm kind of quite relaxed now because we've had the pain of that awful performance at Preston, and I'm like, well, I've, it's like I've had the gut punch. I'm ready just to go down now. <laughs> it's like a little bit like so. In a, in a funny way, I, I kind of wonder if we'll be a bit more up for this game. I wonder if it's like a motivation factor with Preston. Preston's a bit of a come down after a lot of my show at Ipswich. You know, we've we've. I wonder if the players will be. They'll have had a, you know. A, Telling off off Fark, I will hope because they were garbage uh, against Preston. Um, so, so perhaps we'll just see a bit of a more intense performance, and maybe that helps in some of the things. Some of the, some in this game. So, yeah, I think stylistically, it's a tough. It looks a tough one because of the way you know we know Colbrand can set up a, a defence very well and, and, and a low block and all that kind of stuff, which we don't particularly like. But hopefully, if, you know, we, we get a bit of a better performance level and we can open them up. Let's see. There was some interesting things in that interview, especially noticed that he yeah. said that Albion do like to press and they will look to get forward and press in moments to try to win the ball. And so this, yeah. this is at West Brom, I believe. I think it's, yeah, it I, is. I yeah. Then it is, I think, more likely that they will be a bit more open against us. And but obviously, yeah. we we haven't looked as good away from home recently, and no. especially not in the pressing game. So it's going to be interesting to see how we respond to that and. How well we're able to attack when West Brom are pressing, and I'm not sure how it's going to go. But I know if we do show a reaction from the pressing game, then we have everything in us to be able to take West Brom back. They didn't really create anything in what game we played against them. Um, obviously, no. we, we also did struggle to break them down as well at the same time, but we did still create more than what they did. So I think yeah. we do we do have players who can hurt Preston. And one particular thing which stood out to me in that interview also was when you're talking about uh, Cedric Cipra and Rutter and how that little individual battle is going to go. And yeah. how, how do you think Rutter's going to cope with that sort of thing? Well, one thing I've been impressed with Rutter is, is like I say, he's is, is going to battle and go to war with centre-backs and hold up play. So he's kind of getting better at that. now, And he's, and he's good at turning people, isn't he? So I'm kind of hoping... Like Kipper does go after him a little bit and does follow him around. Not, I mean, Pete seemed to think he might do it to an extent, but if if Ritter really does drop, he won't follow him too much. So it's mm. quite kind of interesting if if Kipper does follow him. I think it might uh, destabilize things enough that players like Dan James and Somerville can get in behind with with you know if if Kipper is dragged out because the rest of the centre backs at, at West Brom and the full backs aren't particularly quick either. There's not a lot of pace there. Bartley. Um, He's not quick, is he? Um, Ajay is a big, powerful centre back, but again, not massively like mobile or, or, or agile. So, I just wonder if, yeah, Kipre being the the best and most athletic centre back they've got, West Brom, if we can drag him out of out of, out of play, out of position, we can get him behind them and hurt them. So, that's kind of that's interesting one to watch. So, yeah, I really hope that that Ritter does go up front and does drag Kipre around because that's that 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 could work in our favour. Yeah, but, yeah, most definitely. If that if he can do that and. Attempts to pray into coming further out that would help, I think. And also, another mm. thing which Pete mentioned was that they were a 3 4 3 team earlier in the season, but that has shifted. And in the past 10 games or so, they've been a, um, a back four team. Um, he, he didn't yeah. think that they would be likely to switch back to a back three, but I don't know. 
I don't know. I've got a feeling that Torbrand will have seen the recent games where we've struggled against back three systems, and I think he may well be tempted to shift back to it. Obviously, it depends on personnel, because I know they're a bit struggling for individual players and have had some injuries, and also yeah. not, a lot of, not a lot of investment and some key players going. So yeah. I, think, I think if he has the players available for it, I think he may, may be tempted to go with a back three shape. What do you think to that? I think he will. I, I completely expect yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Um, he can almost be a fool not to, wouldn't it? The way it's, it's worked against Leeds recently. So, and I think it's something that he's more than happy to coach. His team will have played it plenty. It won't take a lot of adapting for them. So, yeah, I think it would be the smart thing to do if, if they did do that. And Cobran's a smart guy, so I, ex- I expect it. Yeah, me too. I also expect that. So, to talk quickly about Leeds, uh, can you foresee any changes to our lineup in response to the recent recent loss? Yeah, I think there's got to be now. Yeah, we've been grumbling, haven't we, about the lack of rotation and, and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's like I, I don't know what his, his his policy is on on players who have a bad performance. And you know, Archie Gray had the bad performance, so you know, will this precipitate the change of Spence at right back? Is Byron that little bit fitter to play left back? Mm-hmm. So do we see that fullback combination? I really hope so. It's not a slight in Archie Gray. I think Archie Gray is fabulous and you know a really good young player, but I think. Um, I just hope his time at fullback is over now, and we can get him in midfield. So I just hope this is the the start of that 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 change. So it's got to happen sooner or later, hasn't it? Spencer's got to go to right back, and we've got to get Byron back in at left back or a proper left back in. Mm-hmm. Hopefully after the transfer window, touch wood. So that change has got to come soon, and I'm hoping it happens here. And I think perhaps Archie Gray's game on Boxing Day will precipitate that move. Um, in terms of other players. Probably not. I think the team will stay otherwise, injuries aside. Yeah, I, I think so. I think maybe the unchanged we're likely to see is Byron, but I do think that maybe it is time to give Nonto a shot of Dan James. And yeah. I think this is a good I think this is a good game to do so as well. Um because I don't think from from what I remember of watching West Brom that I don't think their their fullback on the left side gets forward too often. And so that was should mean that whoever is at fullback We'll just be deal- mainly dealing with that their, their winger, uh, which I think is Samiento. If I remember the left sided one, I think it was Samiento last time we played them. So that will be interesting to see if we do decide to not to win for this game and just to try things out differently. But I suspect it will be the same, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I think that's about all we really want to discuss. So it's always going to be a quick one with this because we've just finished recording the yeah. previous pod. So we will just quickly let you go. There you go. But we hope you enjoyed this. We're going to be back with the review for this game, and also quickly before we go, I just want to mention the Patreon. So we have a Patreon which we put out additional content for people to pay a little bit more for if they really appreciate the content we do, and that is at patreon.com forward slash aw Patreon. Final thing to say is thank you very much to Dan. Cheers, Martin. And thank you all, dear listeners, for listening tuning in today. Have a great week. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.